Rugby Ranter Banter, episode 205. Hi, Sheddies, it's me, Eddie Stevens. I'm fucking annoyed. The time is 2.43pm, my time, and I just, I'm slightly out of breath because I somehow managed to drop my phone down the back of my couch, and uh, I was pain in the ass moving everything out of the way. I can't explain why I don't want to give you the, the entire layout of my shed, okay? Don't worry about it. It was just a pain in the ass, okay? Um, well, we've had a nice uh, winter break. Well, we've had a winter break, a Christmas break I should say and it wasn't that nice not for me I've been very very ill and I'm, I'm going to tell you the details of that just for silly fun um once we get cracking uh let's see what did I want to tell you about oh yeah I had a, a horrible experience with a baby recently um I was walking through a restaurant and I saw a baby sitting at a table and it was in a high chair it was a cute little baby I believe it was a boy um and he was smiling and babbling and giggle, happy, waving at people. So I walked, as I walked past, I did a little smile. You can't see me, I'm doing the smile, but it's the kind of smile you give a baby. This weird little, uh, you stick your tongue out and kind of go, ah, hello. That sounded creepier than it was. It was a normal way to smile at a baby. You know, you wouldn't smile at a grown-up in that way. But you do it to a little baby, like a hi. And the baby went, ah, and, and, slammed his head into the table and started crying now this was horrible on many levels first of all i just got rejected by a baby a baby i don't know which is the worst way to be rejected it's the worst form of rejection because it's completely sincere we're like this with babies we're like this with animals too to a degree you meet a little puppy you want it to like you if it's scared of you and doesn't like you you kind of take it personally but at least with a puppy or a dog maybe it had a bad experience with someone who looks like you this was a little baby and babies are essentially retarded they have no memory they can't remember shit it doesn't remember it I, it probably remem remembers its mum and dad that's about it it was only a few months old right there's no way that it looked at me and i reminded it of some twat that he used to know um, so this was just his natural response to me. He just took a disliking to me, which makes me feel bad. And everybody saw it at the table. They were like, my God, why did he do that? Why did he react so aggressively negatively towards this man? And if I'm honest with you, the thought probably ran through their heads. Is he a pedophile? Right. Or a pedophile, however you want to pronounce it. Not the baby, obviously. That's not. I don't think a baby can be a pedophile or a pedophile, but that's going to cross their mind. Like, why would my baby, my baby loves everyone. He's a lovely baby boy. Why would he naturally respond in horror to this man walking, fucking phone, this man walking by who smiled at him? What an evil smile. He's probably a pedophile or the devil. Maybe he's the devil. And to be honest with you, I'd rather they thought I was the devil. Because you can say what you like about the devil, but he never really molested kids did he i'm trying to think about it now i don't think babies ever go to hell this devil's cool with kids just wants them to have fun anyway i'm getting sidetracked i see this baby i smile at it the baby freaks out and naturally hates me so then i took offense to it so i gave the baby like a dirty look like what the fuck's your problem and the mother is looking right at me so she sees me give the baby a dirty look so then i said what did i say i just went Oh, 
Reminds me of my baby when he was younger. My son when I was younger, which makes no sense because the baby's freaking out and crying. Um, so I just, I panicked. I just said, he was a little asshole too. And then I punched the baby and ran off. Um, that wasn't true, but I really did have that bad experience with a baby, which put me in a bad mood. Uh, anyway, it's uh, Rugby Ranter Banter. Uh, I've written it down, haven't I? It's Rugby Ranter Banter, episode 205. Let's go. Well, time restraints dictate that this will not be a long podcast. I'm sorry, or you're welcome, depending on what you actually want. Um, uh, I want to talk about the weekend's rugby. I want to talk about possible selections for the upcoming squad that Steve Borthwick's going to be announcing in the next couple of days. Um, It might be a bit of a clusterfuck. I haven't written anything down uh, for it. But the reason I haven't written anything down for it is I've had this weird thing happen. Now, here's this is non-rugby related. If you're not interested, just fuck off. All right. But I'm going to talk about it for a second. Um, I don't know if any of you know this, but a few years ago, probably five, six years ago now. Oh, easily six or seven years ago, maybe eight or nine, possibly ten. I have a hard time estimating time. Um, I had... uh, Uh, and I'm doing air quotes for this, a disease called LPR, which is also known as silent acid reflux. And basically what it does is you have all these horrible symptoms arise, and usually it's like pain in your throat, um, breathing difficulty, gut issues, all sorts of shit, really. And the theory is that it's caused by acid or pepsin, which is like an acidic gas, um... And essentially a form of heartburn or GERD where you don't feel the heartburn, you don't feel the burning, so you don't know that you have heartburn, but it is creating all these problems elsewhere. I'm going to give you the shortest story possible for this. I suffered from LPR, which most doctors have never even heard of, right, for reasons I'll get into, for about a year and a half before I overcame it, defeated it. As far as I'm aware, I was the first person to actually be able to do that, to fully 100% get rid of all their LPR symptoms. The reason I was able to do this is I I figured out that LPR is not a real disease. It is just a, a, a name they give to um, a bunch of symptoms with no explana- explanation, right? And the reason I'm saying this is a short story is I could talk about this for hours, but basically... It's stress-induced, okay? You have chronic stress. Your body starts having all these symptoms. Then you get into this horrendous, vicious cycle. And maybe you've had something similar to this because um, a friend of mine, someone I met because of LPR, um, and I once said, everyone has LPR. Because at some point, you have you're going to have some weird symptoms of a disease of some sort and you won't know what it is or why you've got it. But it all comes down to stress, okay? Because life is awful. So you get this vicious cycle then where you have all the, you're stressed, so you keep it in, you internalize it, you've got nothing, no way of dealing with that stress. Maybe it's financial, maybe you just, maybe it's childhood trauma, whatever. And then you get all these symptoms and then the symptoms themselves create the stress. So 
What you want to do is stop the stress, chill the fuck out and not have the symptoms. But as I said, you get the symptoms because of chronic stress. Then the symptoms give you stress. And then that stress strengthens the symptoms and you get this horrible, vicious cycle. And it's very, 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 very hard to break out of. I have broken out free of it. And I actually have a, a YouTube channel, not my Rugby Random Banter one. I have a different one where I made a lot, bunch of very popular videos on this. And I've had, believe it or not, dozens of consultations with people just telling them how I managed to heal. And some people, every now and again, someone will contact me telling me that, it like saved their life and they're it's incredible it doesn't doesn't make me feel that great i should feel great I, I remember thinking at the time if i could help one person not have to deal with that shit my life would be worthwhile but um i mean it's cool but not not the point my point is this i had that problem years ago overcame it i have an i have an ebook for sale by the way on amazon every month i get a little bit of money for it it's crazy anyway um I say that because I haven't had any issues for years. Now, all of a sudden, about a year ago, at the most, 10 to 12 months ago, I started having these dizzy spells. And they were really alarming. I would like, all of a sudden, my head would start spinning and I'd like have to drop to my knees and be like, oh, fucking help, you know. And, uh, and it would slowly go away. Then, about four months ago, I started occasionally getting this extreme tension in the back of my neck and with it a weird kind of numbness in my legs and my feet and every now and again my hand would start spasming. These are just symptoms I've been dealing with for the last sort of half a year I would say. Maybe a little longer actually. Um, anyway all of a sudden about a week and a half ago that tension in the back of my neck, sort of in the back of my neck and my head, returned and would not go away. And with it, my hands and feet started to have pins and needles and tingling. And since that started happening, I've had horrendous nights where, I mean, the only way I could sleep is drugging myself because I lay down and I feel like my head, I feel like I'm on acid. If you've ever been on acid, I'm in a sl I'm, I feel like I'm microdosing acid all the time. And I still, well, I, sp I spent about a week convinced that I have a neuropathy, which is like damage to the nerves, because I have all the symptoms of it. Long story short, once I just, any, anytime I say long story short, just buckle up because I'm going to be talking for a really long time. Since over the course of the last week and a half, I have just come to realize, well, trust me, I've made a doctor's appointment. I'm going to get it all checked out, make sure there's no problem. But I really think that this is, I think the tension in the back of my neck and my head is what's known as a tension headache, which I'd never even heard of. But it's like the muscles in the back, of, in all around the back and side of my head are like tense. And it creates this really weird compression feeling. And basically the weird, the, the tingling in my hands and feet is kind of stopped, but I get a bit of numbness every now and then. All of that stuff I think is just from chronic stress because, you know, rugby brethren members have probably worked out. You probably worked out that I'm, that I, that I have troubles. I have a few um, troubles in my personal life, although I've resolved a lot of that and things are going a lot better, but 
The reason I didn't podcast yesterday is I was, well, I also got the flu. I actually had the flu as well. <laughs> but um, I've just been struggling with this horrible, these horrible symptoms. And, you know, maybe I'll get it checked out. And maybe it'll turn out I've got a fucking brain tumor. I don't know. But I spent a lot of this last week and a half just terrified, not knowing what's wrong with me. It's really fucking annoying. But the less I worry about it, the better I seem to feel. I'm doing a bit better today than I was yesterday. And then yesterday I was doing a bit better than the day before. So I think I'll be okay. Anyway, there you have it. Um, if you've had anything like this ever, let me know. Because stress stress is a real motherfucker, isn't it? And I am convinced, not all illness, obviously. If you get fucking radiation poisoning, that's not because you had a hard childhood or anything, but I am convinced that uh, the majority of illness that we have is the result of some kind of stress, psychological stress or physical stress. This is getting stupid and boring. Let's move on to rugby. Um, I watched every match, but I don't have that much to talk about. Um, I'm just going to go through, let's see, I, I say I watched every match. I watched Bristol versus Exeter in its entirety. I watched Saints versus Sale in its entirety. I watched Harlequins versus Gloucester last night really late. Um, so I didn't get to follow it that well. Now, I didn't watch Saracens versus Newcastle because I had the results spoiled for me. And I started watching Bath against, uh, who did Bath play? Uh... Um, uh, uh, who the fuck did Bath play? Well, you know who it was. Um, I just want to remember now. Um, 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 Bristol. Yeah, Bath against Bristol. Was it? What did I say? No, Bristol played Exeter. Well, who's the team I'm forgetting? Leicester? Bath versus Leicester. I didn't watch that. I'm sorry, I started watching that. And then once again, I ended up having, accidentally having sex. And then I didn't. I didn't watch it and I just don't want to watch it again. So I'm, I'm just going to talk about the things I took out of the, the rugby that I did watch. Do you like the way I went from saying I watched every match to up to I watched three out of five? Um, let's start with the Bristol versus Exeter match. Um, first of all, a player that I've talked about a lot that no one ever talks about and probably shouldn't. I'm probably wrong to talk about him, but he's one of my personal favorites now is Joe Batley at... Um, Bristol, the second row. He's not trendy. He doesn't look like a great athlete, but every week he is outstanding. Now, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong probably. Is it Feyoaboso, the Exeter winger, who I'll get on to in a minute? He's an absolute nightmare with the ball, swats a couple of defenders away pretty much every time he gets the ball. There was one phase in the game where he does this trademark run that he does breaks through through a couple of tackles and then joe batley just grabs a hold of him and ragdolls him into touch and then shortly after that he tears down the field with the ball i don't remember how he got the ball kicks and chases it matches um i forget who it was but it was what it was uh an exeter back three player matches him for for pace and then moments after that, Heward scored an amazing try with, by the way, an insanely athletic dive. That guy, Heward, who plays on the wing for Bristol, I've seen him before, but I don't remember where he came from. But he might be the most aerially impressive player I've ever seen. He 
his his aerial try was in itself a thing of beauty and then earlier on before that he did this insane diving probably one of the most amazing diving catches you'll ever see and slides into touch i want to keep my eye on that Heward guy but um so joe batley is a great player that i think should be in the england conversation but he never will be for some weird reason um but the player I mentioned earlier, Feo Waboso, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Absolutely amazing. Now, I listened to him in his Man of the Match uh, interview after the, after the game. And he was asked, has anyone from England or Wales co- spoken to you, contacted you yet? And his response was, oh, I don't know, 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 I don't know. He kind of went insane, uh, which means yes, obviously. Now, he sounds Welsh, so he is Welsh, right? And he should play for Wales. That's a terrifying thought. The thought of having him on one wing and Reese Zamet on the other. Jesus Christ, we cannot let this happen. So I really, really hope that the RFU have the intelligence to see what he offers. Because look, some people will say, oh, it's too it's it's too early. Just because he looks really good um, for Exeter in these premiership matches doesn't mean he's the finished article. He doesn't deserve to get put, you know, don't get too excited, basically. I suspect they just haven't watched him enough because it is what he can do, what he offers is such a massive... Again, I always hate the term X factor, but it's such a he has such a unique ability with the ball in hand that it's worth investing in now. And by investing in now, I mean stealing him from Wales. God knows they do it to us enough. You know, you've got Scotland and Wales constantly contacting anyone, any English player in the Premiership who's young and looks good, they try and get a hold of as soon as they can. They're doing it with Finn Smith at Saints. Um, Who else have they done it with? They've done it with a bunch of players. Um, Hutchinson. Um, We need to just... The RFU needs to just pull out its fucking wallet and say, uh, you want a little bit of this? Hey, you want some of this? Come on then. And just steal him. Uh, Because he's fucking amazing. Amazing. Please don't fuck this one up, England. Cap him before Wales do. Um, who else looked good in that game? Little Harry Randall didn't have his best game ever, although he did tackle Fisselau, um very impressively. Um, this Exeter flanker that I've never even heard of before, Vincent, um, looks very special and fast. He... Uh, he was in a foot race with Max Malins at one point and looked quicker than him. Now, I know people will say Max Malins isn't fast enough, but Max Malins is fucking fast. He's played on the wing for England, so that's real speed, you know? Um, anyway, Bristol against Exeter. I thought Bristol played really well in this game. It was a very, very close uh, match. And, uh, you know, I was I was listening to Egg Chasers uh, earlier, and uh, they were... I say they... Um, JB was suggesting that Callum Sheedy isn't very good fly. I think he said he's the second worst fly half in the league. Callum Sheedy is the most underrated player in the premiership. I think he's a phenomenal fly half. Let's move on. Saints versus Sale. What an incredible game. Oh my God. Now, 
I might get pissed off here as well. Started as a very defensive match, nil-nil, up until deep into, like, close to the end of the first half. Second half was super exciting. Um, And the best player on the pitch, and in my opinion, the best performing fullback in the league on form, George Furbank. I cannot... I... I'm kind of blown away at how good he's been this season. I've mentioned it before that whether he's played fullback or even fly half, he's just looked on another level, certainly to how he was playing before, because the last few times he was capped by England, I remember I was complaining, saying how stupid it was of Eddie Jones. Like he was getting picked to on the bench to cover fly half. And I, and I said at the time it was a bad idea, and I think it was then. I, he, he was not playing well. He wasn't playing well for, for Saints at fullback, and he wasn't playing that great for England any time he had a chance. He just wasn't deserving of that spot. Now he's fucking outstanding. He is absolutely everything he does. It just He just oozes confidence and speed, and his decision-making is great. He's always in the right place safe defensively, lethal in attack. I'm blown away at how good George Furbank has been. Absolutely 1,000% needs to be in the England squad. Um, But, you know, if he is, the back three is... We're so fucking well-stocked for talent in the back three in England. We really are. I mean... And uh, Austin Healy, during one of the matches... uh, I think somebody asked Austin Healy... Does England? No, it was Austin Healy who said this. He said it was the it was talking about whether or not Adam Radwan should be in the England squad, which I think he should. And he said it depends on what what you want. If you want lethal attacking athletic wingers, then you pick Adam Radwan. But if you want good kick chasers, then you don't pick Adam Radwan. Now that makes a lot of sense to me, of course. But when I thought about it, I sort of thought. Why can't you have both? Like, why not have options? I I understand that, you know, England will want to have a template and a way they play the game. But surely it's not that difficult to say against certain teams, a kick kick and chase game isn't going to work as well. Mm -hmm. And maybe it would be better to have real athletic finishers, you know? I mean, ideally, you want players that could do everything, and that's where it gets tricky. But Adam Radwan and uh, the uh, Exeter winger, whose name I'm forgetting now, uh, what was it? Um, something Waboso. Uh, Faya Waboso. God, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, they are so good that I think you could put them in an, in an England squad and maybe you lose a little bit of something on the kick chase and the um, tactics you know, but they're going to make up for it with what they can do with the ball in hand. Either way, um, I was when I started thinking about this, I started thinking, well, who are the best kick chasers in the Premiership on the wings? Um, and there's a certain type of winger. God, I'm really butchering this. All I was trying to get to. <laughs> See, it made sense to me because this is it was this um, conversation I was having with my head. In, with myself that led to the discussion with myself again as some kind of schizophrenic who is better Tommy Freeman or Tom Ro is it Tom Roebuck 
or Sam Roebuck. I think it's Tom Roebuck. Anyway, Freeman or Roebuck, because they're playing against each other in, in this match. And I've always loved Roebuck. Roebuck. I always pick him in my fantasy teams because he scores a lot of tries. He makes a lot of meters. He's a gr- very, very, very good and underrated attacking winger. He's also really good under the high ball. Tommy Freeman, very similar. They're two very similar players. Who would you have in an England squad? You could have both. Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. There's so many fucking good wingers. I mean, just off the top of my head, you got Freeman, you got Roebuck. Then you've got Adam Radwan. You got this new Feyoaboso guy. You got Max Malins with the experience. You got Thokana Singer, who is playing really well right now. You got Will Muir at Bath with him, also looking really good. Then you go to Quinns and you got players like Liner. A lot of people love Caden Murley, even though he's been out injured. Um, I mean, I'm forgetting players. There's so many. Uh, and those are just sort of wingers. Then there's fullbacks that can also play on the wing. It's tricky. I'm not even going to give you an answer. I'm going to move on. Uh, Luke Cowan Dickey is starting to look like his old self for sale. Starting to look really good. Probably not ready to play for England again, but he, well, he probably fucking could. We definitely could. I just don't know. We've also got a lot of depth at hooker, you know. Um, Tom Pearson is starting to find his feet at Saints, finally. I feel like the last couple of matches, he's looked a lot like the, the Tom Pearson we saw at London Irish. I hope we get to see him given another chance with England. Um... Oh, here's another thing I noticed in this in this game. Um, I I've mentioned this a long time ago, but I still feel this way. I hate that you can be on the opponent's try line attacking, and all the opposition has to do to completely um, stop the game down is have someone lay down holding their head and not move, and the referee will stop the play. Now I understand, like I don't think he was faking it. I think someone was really injured. But we've seen this happen when um, teams are in a really promising attacking position and the referee is like, sorry, blows the whistle and says, sorry, I have to stop. He's in the middle of play and he's injured. Well, you could do that every time you think the opposition's going to score. So it's a tricky it's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, Harlequins versus Gloucester. I watched this last night while I was falling asleep. So it's kind of um, parts of it are a bit a bit like a dream. Um, especially the part where a giant Gordon Ramsay started devouring members in the crowd. That was terrifying. Anyway, um, uh, George McGuigan put, put in some massive hits in this match and looks really good. I'd have McGuigan in the England squad right now, I think. I mean, I love Harry Thacker. Harry, the little teapot Thacker, is my favorite hooker, but I've just sort of accepted that that's not going to happen. So I think, um, you got Jamie George, uh, um, what's his fucking understudy at Saracens? I can't remember. But the two of them, and then uh, I probably have George McGuigan there. I do really like um, Blomaya, uh, but hard for him playing for Newcastle. Um, I thought in this match, and not everyone agree- agrees with me, but in certainly in the first half, I spent a lot of this match, I felt like the referee was really fucking Harlequins up the arse. There was a very clear forward pass from Varney for that Gloucester try. There was at least one forward pass for that Gloucester try that they scored in the corner that they just sort of, the the officials dismissed. And then 
There was a knock-on by Thorley shortly after that that somehow resulted in a Gloucester scrum in front of the try line. Like, it was pretty obvious to me, and I just felt like Quinns were getting fucked by poor officiating, which is a shame because I really love... um, What's that referee's name? Adam... I can't remember, but I like the referee generally. But it was more the um, the touch judges and the TMO. Like I felt like they, were, I felt like Harlequins were not getting, um, n- not getting very good calls. Um, now I said this last week, but I didn't record a pod. But I was thinking it. I was gonna say it. Everyone needs to kiss Marcus Smith's ass. Okay. Marcus Smith could not do more to prove that he's England's best fly half. He has been world-class. Shut the fuck up. Yes, world-class for Harlequins. Better than everyone else. Every time I say Marcus Smith has been the best fly half in the Premiership, someone says best English scrum half because there's this assumption that you have right now as I'm saying this, that Finn Russell is better than Marcus Smith. Of course he is, right? Everyone just agrees that he is. But I, I said this in a, in a, in a disagreement with uh, some rugby brethren, and I really believe this. If Finn Russell had played exactly the way Marcus Smith has this season, put in the performance he's, he's put in, first of all, everyone would freak out at how fast he is and be like, I had no idea Finn Russell was that athletic and amazing. And they would say, oh, he's actually upped his game he's actually better than ever he's now the complete package because everything he used to do well he's doing but he's also got an and he's also now an athletic attacking threat that he wasn't before for some reason finn russell is given a free is given a pass when it comes to mistake making mistakes and finn russell don't get me wrong finn russell's great player great fly half and he's exciting, and he's ambitious and brave, and he's good defensively. He doesn't have any clear weaknesses, but he does make a few mistakes. He takes risks, and for some reason, everyone is fine with him taking those risks, even when it doesn't work out. But Marcus Smith can be 10 out of 10 perfect, throw one forward pass, or miss one tackle, and it is the end of the world, and he shouldn't be playing for England. It is There is no player... There's always a player like this. I'm trying to think of other ones, but I can't right now. Um, But there always seems to be a player in England that just isn't given a fair chance, that everyone seems to just be, like, to want to fail. They don't want him to be good. And everyone needs to just accept the fact that Marcus Smith is a generational talent. And absolutely Owen Farrell stepping down from international rugby is a blessing in disguise because we're going to be able to see and yes we've seen Marcus Smith play 10 for England before I actually thought he played well he wasn't you know this is the thing again people expect it's it's almost like he has to go out and give the perfect performance score tries get all his kicks make all his tackles um lead an attacking back line perfectly, no errors, no forward passes, etc., etc., etc. It has to be perfect or he's not good enough. And it's that's not the way it is. He needed time to bed in with England, and he's never really been given it. I mean, he's been given a run of games, but eventually they go back to Farrell or Ford. Um, I think now more than ever, he needs to be given the reins at 10, not fullback, not on the bench. He needs to be England starting 10, and that's that. Um, 
there was a beautiful uh try moving on now there was a beautiful very special try actually by um alex dombrandt who's another player that's really playing a lot better this season and what a significant moment this could have been there was a genius cheeky little chip by Danny Kerr who's still playing great great rugby and could still feature for England lovely cheeky little chip for Dombrandt to go careening through and snatch significantly he snatched the ball out of the hands of Zach Mercer who he then just swatted away to score to me um, and to a lot of people it seemed to be like Zach Mercer and Alex Dombrandt Dombrandt Zach Mercer and Alex Dombrandt are sort of vying for a place in this England squad. And Dombrandt has been edging him, not sexually, relax, in terms of performances. And I feel like this game, if Borthwick watched this game, and if there was this um, uh, competition between the two of them for a spot, that's the moment where Dombrandt takes it. Um but it's very possible that neither of them will be in the England squad. Uh, but what, this was a great game. Quins are on fire right now. Quins and Saints playing unbelievable rugby. So are Exeter. So are Saracens. What an incredibly competitive league we have. Um, I do have to mention that amazing tackle where Nick David managed to just about trip Ollie Thorley and then uh, Andreas Tehazen basically turns into a bouncer and escorts him out the back door right in front of the try line. Oh, what a moment that was. Um, anyway, it's a shame I didn't watch Saracens versus Newcastle because I would have liked to have seen some of them. And it's a shame that Bath didn't have some of their players like Alfie Barbary playing, not least because Alfie Barbary was in my fantasy rugby team and I forgot once again to make changes to it until it was too late. Um, I don't like this new fantasy rugby. Anyway, that's probably all I'm going to talk about right now. I did say that I was going to um, talk about potential players to make the England squad. Do I want to do that? I don't know if I have the time or the energy. It's so complicated. It's so hard. I will say, let me just rush through the team a bit and just mention a few players that maybe are on the peripheral or that nobody thinks should be in the England squad that I think should be. Um... Let's see. I think Alex Dombrandt should come back. I definitely want Alfie Barberry in there, though. Definitely. You know, at the risk of infecting him once again with my Shider's touch. I'm not saying anything except I'd like him in the England squad. Um, yes, little Harry Randall. Um, Tommy Freeman should come back for sure. Um, I don't think I need to tell you that George Furbank should come back. Uh, I don't need to tell you. I've already told you that that Feyoaboso, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, he should be in there just so we can steal him from Wales. Um, I would love Adam Radwan to be in there. Then again, I would also love Thokana Singer and uh, Will Muir and Tommy Freeman and um, Michael, Michael Liner. He's a bit old and not the right position. Um, what the fuck is his name? Lewis, Lewis Liner. God, there's so many options. I don't really care, actually. You know what it is? With Eddie Jones, I used to get really fired up about who should be in the England squad because his selections were so insane. But with Steve Borthwick, I do feel like there's a level of 
intelligence and sanity when it comes to selections, even when I don't agree with his selections, they're not mental and they make sense. And I know what he's trying to do. So I don't really care. But I do think um, Feo Waboso and uh, George Furbank are the two that I really want to see brought into the squad. Um, other than and Alfie Barberry. Yeah. And I think we will see Barberry there. The rest I don't know. Anyway, that's it. Uh, this might have been shit. It might not have been. But, it, but if you're listening now, it's too late. It's over. Follow me on Twitter, although I never use it, at Eddie Stevens with an extra S at the end. Follow me on Instagram. That's a good idea, at Eddie Stevens Massive. Follow me on Facebook. Do I ever say that? I guess that's, I'm just Eddie Stevens there. Follow me on TikTok if you're a weirdo, at Eddie Stevens Zero. Yeah, that's the one. Um, like and subscribe, etc. And uh, I will be back next week if I'm not dead. Okay, bye. <laughs>